we ran some research which showed that if just 7.7% of Australian superannuation savings were invested into renewable energy, that we could completely fund the transition to a renewable energy economy in Australia by 2030. So, you know, we have the money sitting there. It belongs to each of us. We can dictate how that money is spent on our behalf to shape the kind of world that we want to live in. Welcome back to the Sustainable Jungle Podcast. I'm Joy, and in this episode, I'm catching up with my new personal heroes, Kirsten Hunter and Adam Burway. Adam and Kirsten are the co-managing directors of Future Super, an ethical superannuation fund in Australia. For those listening outside of Australia, a superannuation fund is essentially a pension fund, but do listen out for Adam's more detailed definition later on in the episode. We also talk about the power of money and how your retirement investments can contribute in a massive way to changing the world for the better, and how simple and easy it is to do just that. We also cover Future Super's leading approach to building an incredible team, what they're doing to promote a fair, inclusive and enjoyable workplace, and how they're driving change, not just through investing members' funds, but also out on the streets. As always, you can find the show notes for this episode, including all the relevant links over at sustainablejungle.com forward slash podcast. Now, let's learn about how to make our money work for the future we want. Hello, Kirsten and Adam. Welcome to our show. Let's kick it off with learning a little bit more about each of you. Adam, perhaps we start with you. Where were you born and where did you grow up? So I was uh, born in a uh, really tiny uh, seaside community, community called uh, Karakalinga which is a, um, a town so small it doesn't have any shops or commercial activities. And it was a, um, a really uh, sort of beautiful spot to uh, be born. Uh, but then my, my father, when I was quite young, uh, decided to have a big change in his career and wanted to go out and uh, go out and support a lot of outback communities to, uh, to improve their, their situation, help bring a lot more jobs and industry into the, uh, into the outback. So we went from this seaside community town when I was quite young and then started a sort of this tour of... Uh, outback towns through uh, South Australia in particular that had been uh, really great once and uh, were having a bit of a downturn because industries had moved away and then ultimately ended up uh, in Broken Hill when I was in high school, uh, which has actually been uh, quite an influential place for me in terms of where I've, I've gone with my career and what I've done uh, sort of after I grew up, I guess. And you're the co-founder and also the co-managing director of Future Super. Tell us a bit more about your career and how and why you founded Future Super. So actually, a good place to start is actually what it was like to uh, be a teenager growing up in Broken Hill. So it's, it's sort of a, a bit of a, a unique place in that there is this uh, enormous uh, lead and zinc mine that is right in the middle of town, like literally on the on the main street of the town. And one of the awful things about lead is that it's very toxic and poisonous. And when you have a lead mine right in the middle of your town, uh, you're essentially creating uh, something that can uh, have quite awful toxic impacts, particularly on children who grew up there. So growing up in Broken Hill, a very isolated uh, sort of outback place, and then having uh, this sort of uh, mine that's causing uh, terrible uh, health problems for children, you sort of become very aware of, of that. Uh, and you also sort of think, well, it's not great here, but I'm also aware that Broken Hill is providing a lot of wealth that I think is shared equally. Uh, so therefore, maybe the things that aren't great in Broken Hill are for a sort of common good. And then when I was getting close to finishing high school, I realized that um, the BH in BHP stood for Broken Hill. And actually, there wasn't some sort of common wealth that came out of what uh, was happening in Broken Hill. But actually, instead, a few individuals were becoming really rich out of the suffering in Broken Hill. And that sort of made me feel, uh, you know, a little bit powerless. Uh, but also just made me feel really angry. And I guess when I left uh, Broken Hill and went off to university, you know, I sort of 
tried to find some outlets for how to direct this anger I had towards a company that was doing something really awful uh, in Broken Hill and making uh, a lot of money out of it. And uh, while I was at university, I was in the student unions. And uh, at some point when I was there, some students asked us where the student union money was invested. Uh, And we looked into it, found out it wasn't uh, invested in an ethical way. Uh, And that sort of introduced me to ethical investment. We moved the student uh, union's money. And then I looked into my own money. And at that stage, obviously, I'm very young. The only money I really had was sitting in a superannuation account. And I realized that my top holding was BHP. Uh, So I didn't have much money in it, but it felt really awful to look into my uh, superannuation account and see that the the top holding was uh, a company that I really, really hated and was thought was doing really awful things uh, in the place where I'd grown up. So I looked into my options. I found out about ethical superannuation and I switched my my money out of it. Uh, And I guess I was so enthusiastic about doing so that I decided to make that the industry I wanted to work in. And it just so happened to be that uh, the ethical superannuation company that I switched to had an office across the road from my university. I went straight from university into working into ethical superannuation um, and uh, stayed with that company uh, for about 10 years. And then about 10 years after that, I met my co-founder, Simon Shake, while, uh, and this is not a normal startup <laughs> story, it's not how they normally start up, but we met while running for election together. So in the lead up to the 2013 election, both Simon and I were uh, really concerned about climate change and in particular about being able to protect some of the great things that had happened around climate change legislation with the Gillard government uh, around carbon price and, and things like that. And so we were both motivated to run. Simon was motivated to run as one of those people who, uh, I mean, I guess he was a little bit of a celebrity candidate, one of those people who uh, was a was a chance of getting elected and could have uh, particularly taken a spot away from a, a conservative climate denying candidate and instead got himself in as a really progressive candidate. And I was one of those people who puts their hand up to run for the Greens and no, they probably won't get elected, but can help someone like Simon. And over the course of that year, uh, Simon and I talked a lot about the power of money and what we could do. And ultimately, when uh, neither of us got elected, we decided, well, one of the most powerful things we could do next is try and use the power of money to create the change we want. Like, we don't have to rely only on uh, political processes to try and, and take action on climate change or inequality or a range of issues. But the thing we thought was missing from the ethical superannuation industry was there wasn't this big collective movement towards it. A lot of people did it like how I did it when I was at university, which was I was on my computer. I found out I wasn't invested in something. um, I was invested in something I didn't like. And then I just made a a change and I didn't talk to anybody about it. I just did it. But what we really needed was this collective action where people talk about it, where people do it uh, en masse as a big group, where people uh, do it in a way that creates this big uh, sort of uh, big action, this trigger point that makes a really big change we want. And we just felt that, uh, uh, you know, someone like Simon with his community organising background was was the perfect person for me to partner with to do that. And sort of later on, we've uh, been lucky enough to meet Kirsten, who uh, with her corporate consulting background really sort of adds that next level of, of what we're able to achieve uh, in, in creating both a, a collective action, but also making a really big change within uh, corporate Australia. Wow, that's super inspiring. And Kirsten, tell us a bit about you. Where were you born and where did you grow up? I was born in Taree, which is sort of halfway between Sydney and Brisbane. Um, but I grew up up on the Gold Coast, so a little town called Tweed Heads at the southern end of the Gold Coast. Much like Adam's story uh, early on anyway, it was a very idyllic place to live, but I was growing up in sort of the mid to late 90s when there was a big recession and the recession hit our community pretty hard and my family pretty hard as well. And so, you know, we're in this really beautiful idyllic area, but there's a lot of people around us who are really struggling. 
But I think like often happens in those kind of times of challenge, the community really pulled together. And for us, we got a lot of support from our school community. We were very active in sort of sports and volunteering. My dad used to volunteer. He was a swimming coach and he used to volunteer to coach the local kids who couldn't otherwise have afforded to put their kids go through swimming lessons. Um, And so I kind of grew up with this sense of um, the community around you is an important part of your life and it's the responsibility of each of us to contribute to that community. So it's not about money, it's about time and skills and passion and energy um, and that each of us can play a role in making our area somewhere that we want to live. Love yeah. that. Yeah, I was going to ask. It's, it's interesting that you both have such similar stories in your background. Yeah, we often laugh about that. Uh, and, and Kirsten, your path to co-managing director of Future Super has certainly been varied. Can you share your career path with us and what ultimately brought you to Future Super? Yeah, absolutely. So as I said, I grew up with this really strong sense of community and, um, you know, a strong volunteering background, which I carried through university and then on to uh, my first corporate job as a lawyer. And then I left the law and worked in management consulting. I kind of found like I loved my corporate work, but I found it a little bit unsatisfying. And so I always sort of took an approach where um, I was learning a lot of things working in professional services, working in big companies, but I got all of my energy from taking those skills and putting them to work in the community. So when I was a lawyer, I ran some cases through the Aboriginal Trust Fund remuneration scheme. Um, when I was a consultant, I did a lot of work with the Social Impact Committee locally and then sort of later on globally within my firm. Um, and I also did some social return on investment work for a number of different charities. And I found that that was a really good way for me to feel like what I was learning in my day job was having an impact in the community. Um, ultimately, uh, I got to a point where sort of having that two-track career um, wasn't I couldn't make that juggle anymore and part of that was when I had a baby I was working part-time and I just didn't have the hours in the day to be able to be doing skilled volunteer work on top of it Uh, but also partly for me this sense of urgency I started feeling this sense of urgency about climate change and wanting to make sure that what I was doing with my days was having an impact on the future that my daughter was going to grow up into and it was around that same time that I heard about Future Super. Um, I was a financial services strategist in my corporate life. And so I just loved the idea of a financial services company that had such a strong social impact mission. So I sought out an introduction through a common friend to Simon and Adam, started out doing a little bit of consulting work on the side, helping out with Future Super strategy. And then that turned into a short-term contract to come across and work on a particular project, which halfway through we turned into my permanent role. Before we get stuck into learning more about Future Super, we should start by outlining what exactly a superannuation fund is, because we have listeners from all over the world who might not be so familiar with the idea. Adam, perhaps you can do the honours of providing a high-level overview. Yeah, yeah. And so other countries have uh, some things that look a little bit like superannuation, but are a bit different. Like in the US, there is a 401k. I know in a lot of European countries, there are government uh, pension schemes. Uh, But Australia's is is a little bit unique. And what it is, is superannuation is a compulsory savings scheme where the equivalent of 9.5% of your salary gets paid into a superannuation fund every time that you get paid. Uh, so every time you earn your salary uh, and you get your pay slip, 9.5% uh, equivalent of that also goes into a, a superannuation fund. So throughout your working career, this 9.5% of your salary keeps building up, building up, building up, uh, and uh, hopefully builds up to quite a large amount of money. And then when you reach retirement age, you can start to access that money uh, and take it as an income in your retirement. And at the moment, 
if you solely relied on a, a pension from the Australian government, there's a strong chance you're not going to have a very good standard of living because the Australian government pension is not very high. Uh, so the hope is that uh, as more Australians have superannuation for their whole working lives, that they're able to achieve a better financial outcomes in their retirement as a result of having this compulsory savings scheme throughout their whole career. Obviously, there's still some sort of inequalities in the system in that people who get paid more obviously have a higher balance. And also some people uh, who are discriminated against uh, throughout their careers, you know, we know, for instance, women retire with a lot less in their superannuation accounts than men do currently. So it's not a perfect scheme, but it is a scheme that helps more people, you know, not be in poverty when they uh, get into uh, retirement. There's probably two things that are particularly unique to the Australian system. Uh, one is the, the compulsory nature of it. The compulsory nature of it, meaning that 9.5% of every working Australian salary goes into superannuation, means that this is really large. It's really large for the individual. Usually it builds up to the point where it could be their biggest asset or their second biggest asset that they have. And then collectively, it's a huge asset for Australians. It's $2.7 trillion in the total Australian superannuation scheme, uh, which I think is one of the largest pools of, uh, of money in the world, uh, which is amazing. And the other thing that's unique is that in Australia, people have choice about where they can invest their money and what they choose as their super account. And increasingly, we're seeing that more and more Australians are actually making the choice and not just going with their employer's default fund. And more and more, we're seeing that people are making that choice based on ethics, based around uh, how and where uh, their superannuation fund is investing their money. Uh, so that's two, that's two things that are particularly unique to Australia, which I think are also two particularly uh, exciting things about being in the ethical investment uh, industry. Absolutely. And I was actually going to ask you about that because in my experience, my first job was at the supermarket and you just sign up to whatever you know super fund they give you and you end up, by the time you're starting your professional career, you end up with you know five or six <laughs> different super funds. You haven't really paid any attention to any of them. Um, and I'm sure that there's still a huge number of people out there that are not particularly conscious about which funds they choose. So it's very encouraging to see that that you know that is shifting, and that and that folks out there are starting to think a little bit more carefully about where they're actually putting sort of this big chunk, huge chunk of money that they you know contribute to over time. Yeah, it's great because obviously that's exactly how I ended up with my very first superannuation account as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and and so it's great that there's uh, people don't just. Uh, know that they have choice now, but I think increasingly people know making a choice is really easy as well, which is great. I know when I was um, when I was sort of 19, 20 years old and made the, the change, it was all paper-based and, and quite an annoying thing to do. Yeah. Uh, but now I think people who are 19 and 20 years old now know they can just go on a website and in a minute or two uh, fill out an online form and they're done. Uh, so that's also uh, one of the big changes that's happened in the last uh, last decade or two. Yeah, it's, it, it does make it a whole lot easier with technology. <laughs> okay, so with that in mind, let's talk about Future Super specifically, which is perhaps very obviously one of these superannuation funds. Uh, Kirsten, could you tell us a bit more about what Future Super actually is and what makes it a little different from your average fund? Absolutely. So Future Super, really, we think of ourselves as a superannuation fund with a theory of change. We were formed and we exist to build a future free from climate change and inequality. And the way we do that is by connecting people with the power of their money and helping them to invest, advocate and campaign for a future that is worth retiring into. It's really important, I think, to think about uh, not just 
the amount of money that people will have at retirement, but also the world that they're going to retire into. And superannuation is a long-term investment, which means that by the time our members are able to access the money that they have, the world that they're going to be living in when they get that money is going to be shaped by what we do and what the other superannuation funds do with that money over the 20, 30, 40 years that we have the responsibility of managing it for them. I understand that your investment strategy is focused on this holistic idea of both reducing harm and increasing well-being. Adam, could you build a little bit more on what this means in practice and perhaps outline why this is the path that Future Super chose to take? So this is a path we chose to take. I mean, one, I mean, obviously, as Kirsten mentioned, the problem with superannuation at the moment is that you know it's two point seven trillion dollars, this huge pool of money, but is mostly uh, invested in just anything and everything and doesn't have consideration for the ethics or what type of world we're building up towards. Uh, whereas we think it's really important that money isn't invested in things that aren't going to create a better future for us. And on the flip side of that, that money is invested in things that we think will produce a better future, one that we do want to uh, retire into. So the way we uh, we think about that is to create what we call ethical screens. Uh, so we have negative screens, which are things that we want to uh, avoid uh, investing in. So for, for us, things like uh, having absolutely no investment in fossil fuels, armaments, live animal export, gambling. We don't invest in any companies that don't have women on their boards uh, as well, things like that. It's quite a long list of, of things that we, we avoid. And on the flip side of that, we're, uh, we've got positive ethical screens. So things that we're actively seeking to invest money into, like renewable energy, education, community banking, healthcare, things that we think are helping to create a better future that our members would want us uh, to be investing in. And we apply these screens across all the different types of things we could invest in. So we apply these screens to our Australian shares, our global shares, but also things like fixed interest, bonds, infrastructure. So being really consistent about how we apply uh, our ethics across all the different types of things uh, we could invest in. And then I guess one of the things that's a little bit different about Future Super compared to other super funds is that usually when you have a choice between uh, different investment options with a super fund, usually you're choosing between, say, a balance option and a growth option and a conservative, and you sort of got to make some decisions around sort of risk and return and all that sort of stuff. Uh, with Future Super, we have three investment options, and the choices are really more about what type of uh, positive impacts you want to make with your money. So we have three investment options. One of them is called Balanced Impact, which is the first one we launched, which has all those uh, ethical screens in them, but also specifically seeks to make uh, impact investments in areas that address particularly climate change and inequality, a broad sort of uh, positive impact. Uh, we have another option called Renewables Plus, which specifically targets to put 20% of our members' money uh, into renewable energy projects. And then we also have an option called Balanced Index, which is uh, for those people who are looking for a slightly cheaper ethical option that has all those ethical screens but doesn't go uh, the extra step to have those impact investments included. And what we found is that uh, the vast majority of our members choose one of our two impact options. They want to be uh, making a, a difference to uh, around climate change and inequality, and they want their money to be supporting that. So even though we do have a, a lower cost, less impactful option there, that's not what our members generally want. They want to be investing their money uh, with the highest impact uh, they can. So that's sort of one of the one of the key differences between how you make an investment choice at Future Super as compared to how you make an investment choice at a more traditional uh, superannuation fund. Yeah, I was having a look at the website, and I'm not surprised that most people choose to go with the higher impact options because it, the way that it's framed is is kind of like um, you know lowest to highest impact, and I imagine that majority of the members are coming to you to have impact, right? So they're looking at the, you know, where can they have the most impact? 
one of the one of the really cool things that I think we really try and do is we connect our members, as as Adam was saying earlier, with how they can use their choice of superannuation fund to band together with other people who care about the same things and have an impact at scale. Um, and it sort of ties back to the fact that superannuation is such a huge pool of money in Australia, $2.7 trillion. It owns 50% of all of the shares of listed companies on the ASX. So superannuation funds uh, as controllers of that money have a huge opportunity to influence what happens in Australian businesses and what happens in our economy. Uh, We ran some research which showed that if just 7.7% of Australian superannuation savings were invested into renewable energy, that we could completely fund the transition to a renewable energy economy in Australia by 2030. So, you know, we have the money sitting there. It belongs to each of us. We can dictate how that money is spent on our behalf to shape the kind of world that we want to live in. 7%, that's it. That's all it would take. 7% Seven percent of the Australian population. That's all it would take. And what? What, yeah. what do you, Kirsten? Do you have the number that we're at today? Is it one percent, two percent? It's closer. It's closer to sort of two to three percent. Right. Uh, okay. What What some research consistently has pointed out is that most super funds invest about half of their portfolio in either fossil fuels or high carbon intensive activities, and generally only about two to three percent in uh, renewable energy and low carbon activities. And obviously that got to be completely flipped around if we want to be investing in uh, sort of a future free of dangerous climate change. Wow, that's, yeah, that's actually quite astounding. Very interesting. As we know, also humans are are super risk averse, and I'm sure that future super and other ethical investment funds would receive pushback that ethical or impact investments would not generate quite the returns that the rest of the market would make, and that ultimately this is probably a bad thing for everyday people working hard for their retirement. Kirsten, what is typically your response to these types of pushback and and has there been any recent and robust research that can shed some light on this debate of returns? There certainly is um, and we'd be happy to send it through to you and you can include it in a a link for your listeners. But what I I would say is it is just really quite frankly a myth that investing ethically means you have to sacrifice returns. The entity RIA does research every year which looks at uh, the performance of companies with strong Uh, environmental, social and governance outcomes and has shown year after year that those companies tend to outperform benchmarks over the long term. And then we did some additional research recently, which showed that for the average superannuation fund, they've lost 8% of their balance as a result of investing in fossil fuels over the last five years. So for someone with a balance of $100,000 in their super fund, what that means is they've lost $8,000 because of that investment in fossil fuels. Recently as well in Australia, there's been a big report that's come out where asset consultants are actually downgrading the forecast returns for superannuation funds because of the impact of climate change. So what that says to me and to, to a lot of other people is that actually not investing ethically means that you're getting lower returns in the long term. Yeah. And equally, if you can get just as good a return from investing in things that are creating positive impacts, why would you choose a fund that's investing uh, to create negative impacts, but you know, you're not getting any additional benefits uh, from that? That's a great segue into this this concept of the power of money, which both of you have talked about already. On the website, on the Future Super website, the, the mission is stated as, and, and Kirsten, you've already quoted this, Uh, It's to lead the movement to use the power of money to invest, advocate and campaign for a future worth retiring into. So I love that that there's this focus on this future worth retiring into because it's it's so hopeful for for especially the next generation. 
But I, I want to talk about the power of money concept. We know that money makes the world go round and that capitalism has changed the lives of many for the better and many for the worse. Adam, how do you view the role of money now um, in, in driving change? So I see the role of money uh, and the collective role or power of money as something that can help uh, really make change around the structural causes of climate change and inequality. Uh, and I sort of think about, well, a lot of the individual actions we take don't necessarily address the structural causes of those things. And therefore, while they're good things to do, they're not necessarily creating the impact that other activities could do. And so when I think about collectively uh, within superannuation, we have $2.7 trillion. As Kirsten mentioned, 7.7% of that could fund an entirely clean energy grid in Australia. So you can sort of see uh, the power there of money to create positive action. But on the flip side of that as well is if that money is not invested uh, in an ethical way, in a way that's going to create a great future for us, then you can see the power of money to have a really negative impact on our on our future as well. But yeah, so about $2.7 trillion, 7.7% of it could uh, power Australia's uh, clean energy grid. That's amazing. It could also do a lot of other amazing things in terms of making us have uh, better, more connected communities uh, as well. It could be invested in education. It could be invested in healthcare, all things that help create um, better lives. And it's not just about super. So super is $2.7 trillion. It's a huge amount of money, but it's also the money that's in our bank accounts. And it's also about the choices we make around uh, where we supply our energy from. You know, if we're uh, sourcing our electricity for our homes from uh, fossil fuels, uh, then that's also helping to sort of prop up the fossil fuel industry. So if I'm thinking about what are, what are the biggest things I could do to make the structural changes to fight climate change, what are the things I could do to stop us sourcing our energy from fossil fuels, moving money away from the fossil fuel industry, turning off the money tap to them, is what's going to create the structural change which will make it really tough for the fossil fuel industry to exist. Now, on the flip side, if I'm using my money to support the renewable energy industry, then I'm creating the impetus for that uh, industry to do really, really well and sort of fast track the, the positive change that I want to see. I think that's why it's really important. It's also the power to use our money is large, but the effort required to move our money is low. Uh, so a lot of the individual actions we can take to fight climate change, to fight inequality are hard and repetitive and we have to do them all the time. But in the case of moving our money, moving our uh, banking, uh, changing our energy providers, those things take a few minutes and have a huge impact. So I think that's, um, I think that's sort of a great way to sort of highlight the power of money and what, and what it can do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's analogous to, to this growing movement around our consumption dollar. You know, there's, we see a lot of eco-warriors out there who are changing the way that they buy things, the clothing that they buy, the food they buy, personal care items and so on. And, and that makes an impact collectively. And we've seen that happen, you know, with the whole plastic movement and zero waste. And, and that's actually having real change. You know, there's, there's regulations coming into place to ban plastics in Europe and so on. To imagine what impact we could have if we actually moved all of our investment money, and that's a huge amount of money, uh, into positive industries. It's actually just astounding to think about where we could go with that if we were just to, you know, get that 7% moving over. And, and globally, you know, if, if you could think of, of 100% moving over, what we could do, we could actually make change really fast. It would be very exciting. Yeah, and that was, I mean, I gave an example around climate change, but the example you just gave around uh, plastics, well, a lot of our money is invested in companies who produce uh, single-use plastics or just create junk plastic. Uh, and I can imagine that, uh, you know, if people would use their power of money uh, to help influence uh, that, 
then that could make a big change as well. If, if companies who do those things start seeing that uh, people are switching at their super accounts at banks because of that issue, if they're finding it harder to access capital because banks don't want to be providing funding to companies who are known to produce single-use plastics and, and having a, a devastating effect on our oceans, you know, those things all have, all have an impact. Yeah, for sure. Hey, I'm super keen to learn more about the the team at Future Super um, and a little bit more about how you guys operate. So I was having a look around on the website and the company photos on the website. It just looked like everybody is super passionate and enthusiastic about what they're doing. Kirsten, can you tell us more about who is behind Future Super and also how you attract such passionate people? Absolutely. I mean, I could spend all day talking about our (laughs) awesome team here at Future Super. So who are we? I mean, we have around 35 people working within the team at the moment. We're spread, well, we're predominantly in Sydney. Um, We have our tech team based in Canberra and we have a member of the team who works from Melbourne as well. We are really, really fortunate here that we have been able to attract an incredible group of people who are just so passionate about our company's purpose and about using their unique and diverse skill sets to be able to contribute to a cause like fighting climate change and creating a future for for us and for other people to retire into. It's it's an amazing thing because I think being so strongly purpose-driven, we have been able to bring together people who care about that purpose but have very different backgrounds and and it's so important to us in in our recruiting and in our hiring that we actually um, we put as much weight on is someone is a potential recruit passionate about our purpose? Are they going to be excited and motivated by what we're doing? Are they going to be a great fit to the team? We put as much weight on that as we do. Do they have the skills to be able to do the job that we need? And that's been something that has been consistent throughout um, throughout the whole growth of the company, that sort of foundation culture. And if I can give a sort of, I suppose, a small example of that, our member advocacy team, who are the ones who deal with our members day in, day out, they answer the phones, um, they answer the emails. They are people who are activists and climate change um, climate change activists, and they care passionately about the same issues that our members do. We, we hire from our member community and we teach them about superannuation, which is much easier than hiring superannuation experts and teaching them to care about the climate. How, how, we, how we do it, I suppose, like it, it takes a lot of work and it comes from the top where we, we, me, Simon and Adam, as the leaders of the business, share our passions about what why we're involved in the climate change movement, how, you know, how we came to be here and what keeps us going. And we also share our vulnerabilities because when you're working in an area of passion, that can get really hard and you can burn out and it gets tough sometimes. And all of us within the team have had moments where things have gotten hard and our team sees us sort of dealing with these things and then is better able to bring their whole self to work as well and feel like they're supported when things get hard for them. We also put in a really big effort to make sure that we're not just running an ethical business in what we do, but we're running a really ethical business in how we do it as well. And that extends to how we treat our staff. A couple of examples of that are, I mean, most recently, we we were approached by a number of our staff who wanted to take time off to attend the School Strikes for Climate, which just took place in Australia on September 20. And in response to that request, we actually made the decision at Future Super that we were going to close our doors for the whole day to allow all of our staff to participate in those climate strikes. But 
we sort of thought about it and uh, we ended up going one step further, which is not just to say, well, as a business, we're going to close our doors. We also thought, you know what, wouldn't it be cool if a bunch of other Australian businesses also closed their doors to allow their staff to participate? And what that turned into is from a simple request from our staff to be able to take time out and attend the climate strikes was a national and even global campaign to bring together business leaders who were willing to support their staff to take time out of their workday and attend the climate strikes. And so we ended up with a coalition of over 3,000 businesses, predominantly Australia, New Zealand, but also across the planet, who were willing to allow their staff to take time out of their workday without penalty, so without losing wages, in order to strike for climate. And it was just an incredible sort of ground swell of support that started from a request from our team. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it, I feel like I've, I've, you know, Future Super has been around for five years and this is one of the things I'm most proud of that our team uh, was able to take this idea of just wanting to um, convince a few businesses to do what we were doing and then completely hustled to get 3,000 Australian businesses to support the climate strike. Uh, and then some of the news that came out afterwards talked about how uh, it was workers' participation in that strike was one of the leading causes of the difference between how many people attended the strike last time to how many attended this time. Uh, it was amazing. They're very proud of, of what the team was able to do there. Gosh, you must be so proud. And to see it flourish like that, that alliance was called the Not Business as Usual Alliance. Where do you see that going from here? It feels like I was having a look at the website and there's some big names on there. I mean, it feels like there could be something that really comes out of this. You know, perhaps this becomes the voice of the private sector. Do you have a plan for where this is going to go? Yeah, I mean, look, I wouldn't say we had a plan, but we are <laughs> definitely working on one. Um, the key thing for us and uh, for the other business leaders who signed on to the Not Business as Usual Alliance is that we we pledged to support the school students in their demands, which in Australia were for a commitment to move to 100% renewable energy by 2030, for no new fossil fuel projects, and for a just transition to for people who are affected by um, the move away from fossil fuels to renewable energy. And despite this huge protest in Australia, which is the biggest number of people ever protesting for climate ever, our job's not done. The government hasn't acted on those demands yet. And so while ever that's the case, we at Future Super and the other business leaders in the Not Business as Usual Alliance will continue to support the students for those demands. But we also recognise that it shouldn't be up to the students to solve this problem alone. We're the adults in the room and we're leaders and we have an opportunity to influence the government and other businesses in the way we conduct ourselves. So as a group of business leaders, we're, we're figuring out what that looks like. We're actually hosting a webinar in the next few days where Future Super, along with a couple of the other B Corp businesses, are going to be sharing our tips for what we do within our business to, to move towards climate change and to impact uh, other businesses around us. And then from there, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out how as a movement we can keep supporting the students in their demands for a fossil fuel free future. Oh, super inspiring. And if anyone's listening out there who wants to try and convince their own companies or employers to, to join this alliance, where do they go? The website is notbusinessasusual.co and it's a global website. So it has a summary of all of the things that have happened as well as a contact page. So anyone who is interested in getting their business and their boss to sign on to the pledge, just flick them that website and it'll give them a really solid overview of what we were able to achieve in the last climate strike and we'll also keep it up to date with it, with the, the plans as we continue to move forward. 
Yeah, that's really, that's epic. Well done, guys. That's very cool. Just going back to, to Future Super, I saw an article posted on LinkedIn about the addition of gender pronouns to your email signatures and making your bathrooms gender neutral. And I imagine there's even more that you do behind the scenes to create this fair, inclusive and enjoyable workplace. Kirsten, as a leader of Future Super, could you share a bit more about what is important to you from a culture perspective? Absolutely. I mean, I it's really important for me to have a culture where I can bring my whole self to work. And so as a result, I want to make sure that I create a culture and nurture a culture as a leader of this business where other people can do the same. So that example that you just mentioned around having gender neutral bathrooms and having our pronouns in our email signatures was again something that came from a member of our team who is passionate about creating inclusive spaces and is a lot more well versed on what that looks like in the day to day than than we had been and so they brought a proposal to us of you know making these simple changes that we as a leadership team absolutely supported one of the things that that we really like to do with these kind of things is we don't just do them quietly, we do them publicly. And so we share through our social media on our LinkedIn that we've made this change and why we're doing it. And a really interesting thing that we decided to do was with our email signatures where we include our pronouns is the pronouns are actually linked to an article which talks about why, um, explains to people who might not know why including pronouns is important and how that can actually have an impact on making people who are not, um, don't fit the binary gender stereotypes feel like they're welcome in those spaces. And we track the click-throughs of that link. And at the moment, we've, it was about six weeks ago that we launched it and we're seeing sort of 10 to 15 click-throughs a day wow. on uh, that link to that article from our email signatures. So, you know, for a small team of 35, we're able to have a really big impact of spreading this message out into the broader business community through something as simple as having a link in our email signature. Yeah, it's it's, it's a, one of the ones areas where, for instance, we know that our members tend to be very progressive people and they might, might already have some understanding of why uh, things like gender pronouns are important. But for instance, a lot of people I email uh, work for other investment funds, they might work at banks, uh, you know, they're uh, they're, they're people who might not have even considered the importance of gender pronouns before. So just having that link in my email and knowing that uh, uh, people like that are reading this article who might not otherwise have done so, uh, this was like a like a really great thing to do, but also such an easy thing to do as well. It was so easy to add this to our email signatures and yet have quite a big impact uh, potentially from it. Yeah, it's amazing how just the, the simplest things can make all the difference sometimes. One other example, so within the superannuation space, one of the biggest injustices is that women in Australia currently retire with around 47% of the superannuation savings of men. And for the women at Future Super, that's a really huge problem. And so we got together and were talking about not just what could we do as Future Super to try and impact that for our members, but what could Future Super do as an employer to try and make sure that our staff don't end up in the same situation? And again, it's an idea that came from our team, from things that they were passionate about. And what it led to was our baby bump policy, which is that for any member who takes time out of work to um, for, for parental leave, that we'll actually rebate the fixed dollar fee that they pay for their superannuation account. So it's a small thing, but it means that for people who are not working because they're caring for a new child, uh, that their superannuation balance isn't going to be re- going down because of those fees. 
Wow. We also brought in a number of policies for our own staff, um, which were addressing the one of the biggest drivers of that superannuation disparity at retirement, which is that women are more likely to take time out of the workforce for caring obligations, either to, to children or to elderly relatives. When they come back, they're more likely to work part-time. And over the course of their careers, they're less likely to hit the senior ranks of leadership within businesses. And so we brought in some policies internally, which said that for any staff member earning below a certain amount, we'd pay an extra 1% of superannuation. So that applies to staff of any gender. Similarly, for any staff of any gender who are taking time out of the workforce to care for a new child, we'll pay their superannuation for the first 12 months of that period of leave. So even beyond the time which their superannuation leave might stop being paid, we'll continue to pay their super as though they're still working. And then for any staff member of any gender who is a part-time worker and a part-time carer, we'll pay their super as though they're working full-time. And one of, again, one of the things I love about that is these are real policies that cost us as a business money, but they're the right thing to do and they show our values both to our team and to our members. And so it's really a no-brainer for us and the, the impact that it has in proving to our members and to our team that we we believe what we say. We're not just out there greenwashing trying to make money. We're willing to put put our money at stake to to show those values through these policies, through the way we treat our members is a really important part of the way we run our business. That's really next level. I, I imagine that you're going to start seeing, or at least I hope that you're going to start seeing some copycats out there. Do you know if that's, if that's hit the market in a meaningful way? Any other sort of major businesses in Australia starting to pick up these ideas and and run with them? Uh, we have seen a couple. And again, our theory of change is not just to do these things quietly and to keep the benefits for future super, but to try and spread the change throughout the business community. Um, I was really excited quite recently to see one of our um, one of our, I won't say competitors, another member of the superannuation industry uh, actually going out with a job ad and offering the same superannuation policy to do with uh, taking time out for parental leave that we have. So um, that was a massive win for us that our, our policy that came from our internal discussions has actually now moved on to other companies as well. Uh, it's so inspiring to see these good things spread. Now, a, a slightly personal question, and maybe this is a little bit out of order and it should have been put somewhere else in this interview, but um, I, I'm super curious to understand a little bit more about why each of you are doing this. You could, you know, both, you're both super talented, clearly could be doing just about anything else in the world, why are you doing this specifically at Future Super? I think why am I doing something uh, that tries to create positive impact? I think in the first place comes from, you know, the story I told earlier about growing up in Broken Hill and I think caring a lot about fairness and thinking, well, what I experienced in Broken Hill was deeply unfair and that, that impacted me a lot. And I think I've wanted to spend a lot more of my career working around climate change in part because of the unfairness of it. When I was at the climate strikes, the student climate strikes the other week and looking around uh, and seeing like the unfairness that students have to stand up, step up and be the ones that help drive action when they didn't contribute to this problem. Like how unfair it is, is it that, um, that they have to do that? Um, and how unfair is it that they have to live with the impacts of danger, dangerous climate change longer? So I find that particularly uh, motivating for me to want to be in an industry that makes change. I think specifically why uh, why ethical investment, ethical superannuation, uh, for me, I think it's around knowing that I can make the structural change and make the really big impacts. And at another level, it's also because, well, this is where my expertise is. This is the industry uh, I've always worked in. I have um, 
this makes me sound older than I am, but you know, I've been <laughs> in this industry for almost 20 years. I feel like if I'm looking at how I can make my biggest impact, it's using my expertise to try and create the biggest structural changes I can to, to the issues of uh, unfairness, inequality, uh, climate change. And for me, I think it really, it started out in a very personal way. I, um, at the time I made the switch across to Future Super, I was a new mother. My child was around 18 months old. And all of a sudden, the articles that I was reading about climate change took on a new meaning for me. Um, things like reports coming out, talking about timeframes around 2040, there being mass food shortages and wildfires. All of a sudden, I did a quick bit of you know, maths and realized that my daughter's going to be 26 in 2040. So this is the world she's going to live in, one where there's no coral reefs, there's wildfires burning out of control, there's food shortages that are impacting the population around her. And I just couldn't. I couldn't separate that anymore. I couldn't keep going to my day job and pretending like what I was doing was important when this was hanging over me and when this was my daughter's future. And so it, it really inspired me to make sure that everything that I was doing during my waking hours, that all of my skill and talent and energy was put towards making sure that the world that she inherits when she's in her 20s is not one that looks like that. That's a great segue into the next section. I want to I want to zoom out a little bit further from from Future Super and and talk a little bit about where we're at as humanity. And so thinking about how fast or slow things are changing for the better. Kirsten, what are your thoughts on where we're at as humanity right now? Do you think change is accelerating and what do you think we really need to double down on now? I do think change is accelerating. I mean, I think there's all sorts of ways in which that impacts technology, the speed of at which companies are rising and falling, you know, the changes in the biggest companies and the rich lists, I think, are happening at an unprecedented level. But also, I think within communities, people are waking up. And we are seeing that at Future Super with the, the numbers of people who are signing up to Future Super and with the conversations that we're having with those members once they've joined is that people are looking around them and they're seeing the government in action and they're hearing the things that the government is saying about climate change and they're just, they've had enough and they're not going to wait for the government to save them anymore. People are really starting to awaken to their own agency and power and ability to drive change without having to wait for the government to step in and rescue them. And I think in climate change, that's really evident with the scale of the school strikes for climate protests in September this year, where across the across the globe, millions and millions of people turned out to protest for a world that they want to retire into. And in Australia, we've had so many people through the Not Business as Usual Alliance, through the campaigns, um, through the strikes, who for whom it's their first protest and adults for whom it's their first protest who are coming along with their children, young children and high school age children, because they see that the future that their children are going to inherit is something that they want to change and they're not seeing that action coming from the government. Yeah, it is. It is actually incredibly hopeful. At least I find it very hopeful. Um, and I'm starting to be a little bit more positive about the future, having seen all of this start to, to really take shape. I, I found the, the school strikes incredibly inspiring. I mean, the fact that, you know, not very long ago, it was just Greta standing there doing the protest by herself. And and this year we had 4 million people turn up around the world. It's, it's incredible. And amazing. I, I read the story of how she started off as one person and how she built it up. Like what, a, what an amazing story of somebody 
uh, being able to create a huge collective action. Uh, like uh, what, what, a, what a phenomenal person uh, and what, what a great thing she's done. Yeah. Mm. And if anyone wants hope for the future, um, listen to the speeches that these school students are giving in Australia in your local um, school strike for climate protest. I mean, these young people are just incredible. They're so eloquent and they haven't, they haven't learnt that things can't be done. You know, they don't take no for an answer. They don't take it's too hard for an answer. They just, they keep asking why and they're amazing. And with our future in their hands within the next sort of five to 10 years, that gives me a lot of hope. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. How exciting. Uh, Adam, going back to the investment industry, but, but maybe a little bit more broadly, would love to get a couple of examples of how positive industries or investment into positive industries has created real impact. Maybe you could share a couple of examples that you've been particularly proud to be a part of. Yeah, I think because um, obviously we invest in a heap of different types of things. So uh, as a super fund, we invest in uh, listed companies, big listed companies where we're one of many investors. Uh, we invest in infrastructure, we invest in fixed interest bonds, all, all sorts of things. And I think there's, there's a couple of things I'm really proud of. Uh, and one of them isn't necessarily something we invest in, but things that's something we don't invest in, which is... Uh, we don't invest in fossil fuels, and we were the very first super fund to 100 percent have 100 zero tolerance um, to fossil fuel investment. And I'm really proud that by doing that, uh, I think we created a trigger for a number of other super funds to also exclude fossil fuels from their investments. None of them have done it quite to the same extent that we have, but by having large super funds follow the lead of a smaller super fund like us. Uh, it's created a, a, a impact, you know, punching well above the weight of, of who we are and has meant that the fossil fuel industry in part has struggled uh, to expand, has struggled uh, to continue to exist in part because of that. So I feel like that was sort of the, um, you know, all that first domino that helped push a number of other superannuation funds uh, to change the way they invest and to think differently about the fossil fuel industry. I guess on the more positive side about things that we do invest in, I'm particularly proud of some of the uh, solar farms that we've invested in that probably wouldn't have existed without us providing uh, the investment into it. So we've done it in a, in a few ways. We, we often provide the debt to uh, to new solar farms, uh, particularly uh, small to mid-scale solar farms, and they might otherwise struggle to find the debt from more traditional banks or more traditional ways. So that's a really excellent way for us to uh, to be able to deploy capital uh, through debt, which is not something people often think about when they think about how do I make a big <laughs> difference, uh, not, usually not through the debt market. Uh, and then when they repay that debt, we're able to reinvest that into providing debt to new solar farms again. Uh, so that's a great circular thing we've been able to do. But also there's been times when we've been able to buy enough of a share into solar farms to help them exist as well. And I think one of my favourites was the very first one we did, which was we uh, bought on behalf of our members into a, a three different solar farms in Canberra. And we were so excited about it, we put out an invite to all of our members to come and visit the solar farm uh, with us uh, on an open day. Uh, we arranged a couple of buses. We didn't arrange nearly enough buses. We, uh, <laughs> we, uh, didn't, quite, <laughs> we didn't quite estimate uh, the enthusiasm of our members for wanting to visit something that their money was invested in. Uh, you know, we had people travelling uh, from Sydney, from Newcastle, to come and just spend a day in a solar farm that their, their money had helped fund. And they just sat around having picnics, uh, chatting with each other, um, just, just, a really, um, just a really wonderful thing. And I think it's quite unique for somebody to have that connection to something that money that their money has helped fund. 
Um, I also find it particularly funny because not a lot happens in a solar farm. Um, you know, the, the solar panels sort of sit there in a row and they slowly <laughs> tilt as the sun moves. Um, so not a lot changes during the during the day. But our members wanted to spend all day there. They just wanted to be around it. Um, so that one that one feels particularly good to me just because I just loved how how enthusiastic our members were about it, how much they loved being there, and how connected they felt uh, to to this solar farm. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's super unique. I've never heard of anything like that, but what a great idea. So, Kirsten, what's next for Future Super in the coming year? Anything exciting planned on the horizon? We've got a few exciting things coming up. We we touched on earlier the Not Business as Usual Alliance and the fact that that led to 3,000 businesses in Australia and New Zealand uh, supporting their staff to attend the school climate strikes. So within that group, we're figuring out what's next there. How do we as a business community continue to support the students in their requests for climate action and to, um, to put pressure on the government to actually make that systemic structural change? We also are doing some really exciting work at Future Super around gender parity and the gender pay gap. We did some research last year, which um, looked into the reporting on gender pay gap actions that are being taken by the ASX 100 and called out um, those that are doing really great things as well as those that are lagging behind. And so we're in the process of refreshing that research at the moment. And over the next couple of months, we'll be uh, going out and sharing those findings and um and uh, looking at what the companies that we invest in on behalf of our members are doing in order to make sure that their companies are creating an equal workforce for their people. Adam, I'm sure that you and Kirsten would be seen as role models in the space of socially responsible business. What piece of advice would or do you give most often to mission-based startups who want to do something good for the world? I think particularly in the, in the startup space, uh, I think if you, if you want to be an impact-focused startup, I think you've got to do things a little bit differently and think about things a bit differently to how you would in a usual startup. In a usual startup, you would really uh, be solely focused on growth metrics and you'd probably get a lot of pressure from your shareholders and your investors who, who are backing you to be really focused only on sort of acquisition and growth. And and it, it could be quite easy for people to think, well, what I'll do is I'll try and scale up and grow quickly now and I'll have my impact later. And I think that's a way to really have uh, introduce a risk that you'll keep finding excuses to keep growing and keep scaling rather than having your impact. And it's really important that you take an impact first focus and just very strongly of the view that if you put impact first, you will grow because people will love you. They'll love seeing the positive impact you make. And I think what happens is you tend to have impact beyond your scale you'll punch above your weight every single uh, point of your scale along the way. So I think that's the most important thing is to just stay uh, stay focused on being an impact-focused company and try not to fall into the trap of being a profit-driven company first. Love that. And Kirsten, if you could have one piece of advice or one message reach every single human on the planet and have it truly heard and understood, what would it be? I realize that's a bit of a doozy question. I absolutely love this question. <laughs> and always get these questions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my one piece of advice that I would love if every person on the planet understood is that climate change is coming and it is a major threat that is facing humanity. And I think it's going to take all of us to solve it. It's going to take government action and there's a huge opportunity for government to lead the change, but it's also going to take leadership from businesses and it's going to take small actions from millions and millions of individuals like each of us and like each of your listeners. 
And I think we can't ignore this in our day-to-day lives anymore. So it's on all of us to do what we can to take action to stop climate change from coming, whether that's something simple like bringing a reusable coffee cup or asking your boss for time off to attend climate strikes or writing a letter to your local representative, or even just jumping into the comment section on social media and having your voice heard. I think it's there's plenty of ways which each of us, no matter what we do for a job, no matter where we live, can have an impact to, to build this groundswell that is encouraging the government and others to take action on climate. Yeah, couldn't agree more. We've got to get on this. I'm sure a good portion of listeners are going to want to find out more about Future Super. Adam, where can they find Future Super online and follow along? Uh, yes, so they can find our website at myfuturesuper.com.au. I think they should also uh, look for Future Super on their social media as well. We put out heaps of great content. I know our social media team love to chat with people about all sorts of things. And also our team here just love to talk to uh, people generally about the power of money. Uh, so yes, look at our website, uh, get heaps of information there. But if you want to have a really great chat with somebody about ethical superannuation and what you can do with your money, but also make sure you, you contact our team and, and have a really great chat with them. Mm, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. Awesome. And for any Australian listeners who are like, I'm ready to switch, what do they do? Where do they go and how do they do it? So uh, so the easiest way to do that is to go to our website, myfuturesuper.com.au, and you can find an online form there. Um, and it's actually really quick and easy to sign up. It's all online. Um, and after you've filled out the uh, application form and sent it away, our team will proactively contact you just to make sure it's set up exactly how you want it, help you get your employer to make contributions to it, uh, and also find out you know, what are the, what are the things uh, you want as a member uh, for us to be doing. Like uh, we, we've already mentioned that we, we plan to do a lot of work around gender pay gaps. We'll continue to be activists around climate change. But also, we also just want to keep getting feedback from our members about, you know, what are the campaigns and issues that are important to them and make sure we're always doing things that are sort of fulfilling our promise to them that will be an ethical fund looking out for their ethical interests. Awesome. And is it reasonably straightforward to, to move over all your existing super into future super as well? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll even let you know what other super funds you have. So you don't have to... Um, search for a lot of old paperwork and you can make a choice about uh, which of those super funds you want to move over to to future super amazing well i am not a member yet but i will be one today i'm going to do that right after this conversation right. <laughs> <laughs> um so thank you thank you both so much i'm super grateful for the time it's been a super interesting discussion uh very much looking forward to switching and following along the future super journey thank you so much thanks so much joy thank you find Adam and Kirsten's leadership incredibly inspiring. We hope that you've been able to take a nugget or two of wisdom from this conversation and hope that you've been inspired to align your savings with your values. Side note, I literally signed up to Future Super right after this conversation and it took me four minutes. I even timed it. Oh, and they found an additional old Super account that I didn't even know that I had. Super excited to now be contributing much more meaningfully to a positive future. Thank you once again for listening and catch you next time.